Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I'll do a, a separate intro and outro and all that, but I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm a. This is good. I finally have some like good stuff to talk about. There's kind of just been this gap of content for me between the playoffs ending and then not a whole lot happening. So yeah, no, I to, get it, man. Trust me, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an adventure, but I'm glad to to have other people to hop on. So cool. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. This is Dane Lewis of the Locked on Stars podcast, joined now by one of the hosts of the Locked on Vegas Golden Knights podcast, Chris Golick, here to talk a little bit about the Stars' newest head coach hire. But Chris, how are you? It's been a minute since we've talked. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Life is good. It's been a very interesting offseason here in Las Vegas between uh, a coaching change here, obviously. I welcome Bruce Cassidy, of course. And um just trying to digest everything and kind of getting ready for the um, craziness of uh, compiling a new VGK roster that's going to be salary cap compliant. So, um, yeah, fun fun times ahead. Yeah, and before we kind of jump into the DeBoer talk, I do kind of want to pick your brain a little bit and just get your opinion on the Bruce Cassidy hire. I think it was kind of a shocking development whenever he was fired from Boston. They had a pretty good season, seemed to be you know in good shape, all things considered. Uh, seven game series against the Canes is you know nothing to be ashamed of. That's a good team in Carolina. But what were kind of your thoughts when when Cassidy came over to Vegas after you know kind of getting this uh, nasty ending in Boston? Yeah, I mean, I would say the same. Uh, what you said, it was certainly a surprise and was not expected to see Cassidy uh, out. I mean, you look at Cassidy's history; he is as homegrown as it gets. Oh, we have a visitor here. I see. Uh, he is as homegrown as it gets. Started basically with Providence, worked his way up to the Bruins. Six winning seasons, all with uh, the Boston Bruins. Like you said, takes the Hurricanes all the way to uh, seven games. And I was absolutely, um, I was very surprised. And, you know, one thing you think about is the power of these exit interviews at the end of each of the seasons you know the general managers have them they talk to each of the players and get their you know check their temperature if you will about how they feel the season went how their interactions were with their teammates how they feel the coach did and things like that and a lot of things that came out of the vgk locker room we'll get into this a little bit later but you know things concerning the identity and lack of creativity with the team and a new voice is the common thing that you hear from all these teams that are replacing their coaches, the the Islanders, the Golden Knights, uh, the Bruins. I mean, it's all about a new voice. So, yeah, it's shocking. It's kind of strange the way all this happens. And, um, you know, I, I read somewhere this is the 10th coach in the 25-year history down in Dallas. That just shows you every 2.5 years, there's a change. Same thing in Vegas. This is season number six starting. We're on our third coach. So we're, we're beating your average so far. <laughs> Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, and yeah, that, that you are right. This is the 10th coach uh, under the name of the Dallas Stars. I believe this is the 25th coach in, across the entire franchise, uh, even okay. dating back to when the Stars were up in Minnesota, when they were the North Stars. So lots of coaches have come through this organization. And yeah, like you said, it just seems like, you know, every couple seasons that 
some guy leaves and a new guy steps in. So the Rick bonus era officially over. And now the Pete DeBoer era has begun. And kind of on the opposite end of that, you talk about Cassidy coming into Vegas. What was your reaction and thought when DeBoer was fired? Was it something you were expecting? And when it did happen, I mean, did, did you expect him to go to a team like Dallas? What were kind of your thoughts when that news broke? So it's not a surprise given the way the season ended. Um, our president's former general manager, George McPhee, went on a Canadian podcast uh, maybe a week and a half before DeBoer was fired. Didn't mention much about DeBoer, but he did mention over and over and over about the 500 plus man games lost. And he went on to say, you don't want to make an excuse. You, you can't offer excuses, but it's fact. It's happened, and you have to measure that when you're considering everything that happened. Um, everyone in Vegas, I mean, obviously we're homers, but we felt this was a potential uh, potential Stanley Cup competing roster, and we've had deep runs in you know each of the last two seasons, conference finals or equivalent with um, uh, with the weird divisions last year that we had. So the expectations in Vegas were, you know, St Stanley Cup final or bust. Now we look at what happened with all the injuries, the trades of a completely botched trade, which would open the door for Riley Smith to come back. Just all this craziness and wackiness that happened. How much of this falls on Pete DeBoer? Um, I don't think enough of it falls on Pete DeBoer. I'm okay with the new voice. I'm okay with the change that was made. But after evaluating and really listening extensively to uh, what George McPhee had to say, I really felt that there was going to be one more go-round with Pete DeBoer as the coach, and I, I would have been very okay with that. I think Pete DeBoer has been a part of what this roster was built around, his style, and um, the plug was pulled on that plan, so to speak, and, and I understand that too. Yeah, it, it seems like there was just so much happening this year with Vegas. We obviously talked about it even when our teams played at the end of the season. That was obviously an important game and, and a lot happening within this organization. I mean, you talk about just the competitiveness of the Pacific Division. I think that there were some teams that took some people by surprise, like Vancouver, who didn't make the postseason but put together a pretty nice season. Calgary kind of coming out of nowhere in the second half to take the division. Edmonton. Um, kind of rising above, I think, some other people's expectations, even though they do have two you know, generational players on their roster. There was just a lot to deal with. And you look at the injuries to the to the team and having to manage that. And all in all, I mean, you talk, I mean, there was more in depth that we'll talk about a little bit later. But just as far as coaching, do you think that DeBoer did an adequate job this past year, given the hand he was dealt with the division, the injuries? I mean, because the Vegas Golden Knights still almost made the postseason and a pretty crowded Western Conference. So what was your take on just his coaching uh, this past season? It's hard to give just a good, bad, or rate him on a 1 to 10 scale of his performance because VGK was in the running for the playoffs and leading the division all the way into parts of February. And the team was never at full health. Definitely the team was at better health down the stretch than they were in those other stretches when they were in the playoff run and losing um, just an inexcusable game at home uh, to the San Jose Sharks, with which basically took the fate or the control out of our own hands. I mean, the goal was obviously to beat the Sharks on that Monday night, going to Dallas and uh, take care of business and basically be in the driver's seat. And then 
we would have come back to a bit better health, if you will, magically when the salary cap goes away, of course, mind you. But we would have had better health going into the playoffs. And I think everyone here in Vegas just said, listen, let's get in there. Let's find a way in. And I think uh, we're going to go bonkers if we do get in there. And unfortunately, that's not how it happened. But to answer your question, DeBoer's role in that, um, I, I think DeBoer did a very good job throughout most of the season managing a roster that was a revolving door. We had players coming up and down from uh, Henderson, our, our um, AHL affiliate, on a regular basis. Many games due to the salary cap, not Pete DeBoer's doing, but due to the salary cap, we're going out there with 11 and 7, or we're only dressing 17 skaters. I mean, you're a head coach. How are you supposed to handle that? You know, Vegas is not an 11-7 team. There's some teams that do get away with 11-7, and they do a good job, but Vegas does not fall in that category. So now you're going to have everything just completely change there. And it's just, uh, it's very, very difficult to put all of that on DeBoer. The concerns about DeBoer down the stretch, and this is where those exit interviews uh, play in. Close the door. This is where those exit interviews do play into things. Um, a lot of players mentioned lacking creativity. The offense lacked creativity, and you saw that. Um, a lot of games, just lazy shots from the points, and you see all these uh, goals going in from uh, the points and in the, in the playoffs and such. And VGK is not doing a whole lot different, but for some reason, they're going in for the other teams. So pause one second, okay? We're going to cut for one second. Chris, no sweat. Now. We're done. Can't come back in. Okay, sorry. I know you can handle the cuts and stuff there. Yeah, no sweat. So, no sweat. Okay. Uh, you want to just ask a question again and kind of start from there? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably yeah transition to an ad read, and then I'll come back in with the question. Okay, cool. I'll just be quiet till you till you start. <laughs> All right, sweet. Yeah, it's certainly a, a difficult um, road to navigate. I think that a lot of head coaches across all kinds of sports, not just hockey, will sometimes you know catch some flack that maybe is unnecessary just because they're dealing with shorthanded rosters and uh, a lot more that people can sometimes forget about uh, in the world of sports. So you know you have to remember that Vegas was a near playoff team and just outside. I mean, we get a few different results. The landscape of this postseason could have looked very different potentially. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lot to consider there with DeBoer. Uh, with the end of his time in Vegas. But we will continue to talk about DeBoer and what his future could look like in Dallas. But first, we're going to take a quick break and say thank you to one of our sponsors, and that is Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer while they choose the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything that you could possibly need for your car or truck, including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, we're moving on on this episode. Crossover between the Locked On Stars podcast and Locked On Vegas Golden Knights podcast. Talking about the arrival of Pete DeBoer in Dallas. And 
Chris, there's a, a big question in all of this that I've been curious to ask because the Dallas Stars have a really, really talented young goaltender in Jake Ottinger and obviously one of the biggest storylines coming out of Vegas at the end of DeBoer's tenure was the the animosity, beef, whatever you want to call it, but supposedly between him and Robin Leonard, uh, just a lot of maybe miscommunication there or things that were said that maybe shouldn't have been said. In your eyes and the way that you watch things unfold, what was kind of your your read and take on the whole Robin Leonard situation with his injury and the way that DeBoer seemed to respond to all that? A lot of unanswered questions heading into the offseason. And I noticed Robin Leonard reactivated his Twitter account where he can certainly be a bit outspoken at times, not too long after the season ended, maybe a little bit before. And one of these days, I think he's just going to let out whatever is on his mind with all of that. So to rehash um, my perspective of what happens, uh, Robin Leonard injuries for basically the entire second half of the year, as he was trying to come back, it just did not look like himself at all down the stretch. I think the guy is a warrior. I think he gave everything that he had. So going back to that game against the Caps, uh, it's a one-to-one game or a one-goal game going to the second period. However, Leonard let in two goals, one that was disallowed, uh, thankfully, to an offside. Leonard gets pulled all of a sudden in favor of Logan Thompson, who has been playing lights out. Logan Thompson goes on to win the game. Golden Knights win and puts them in a much better uh, spot for the, the playoff run, winning a game where they you know, probably should have lost, uh, given you know, just the Caps are just a much, were a much better team throughout the regular season than the Golden Knights were. So after that game, not long after that game, it comes out Robin Leonard is going to have, see, basically it's, you don't like the way I'm playing, so I'm going to have my season-ending surgery right now, and we'll see you next year. I also question the decision to pull Leonard, like why exactly he was pulled. And me and Tony, more, more Tony than me, but I'm on the same thought process, I guess you can say, as Tony. I certainly understand and feel that at times there is going to be front office manipulation or interference, as we've called it. I would not be surprised if not just in that circumstance, but other games down the stretch or maybe even in DeBoer's time in Vegas, if McPhee or McCrimmon would have not basically picked up the bat phone and said, hey, make a change, you know, get 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 the bring the lefty in, you know, that sort of thing. I would not be surprised. So I don't know how much of that falls on DeBoer. Uh, DeBoer did make some comments regarding Leonard, and basically at times, you know, you got to have, you know, the best goalie on the ice and, you know, based, not bus rolling Leonard, but, you know, doing what a coach is supposed to do and basically calling out without directly saying you're not playing well or you're playing bad, things like that. So I don't know if the relationship between DeBoer and Leonard was, unrepairable, number one. I think uh, they're both professionals. They've been at their respective games for a long time. And I'm sure many times coaches and players have butted heads and had people that they don't necessarily have a perfect synergy with. But, you know, when you have, you know, 35 plus skaters and you throw in the AHL uh, call-ups and stuff like that, especially in the playoffs, you know, that's a lot of personalities and a lot of financially um successful personalities if you will all inside of one room and in this case a lot of kids a lot of youth versus uh you know the grandpas that the coaches are and there's a 30 year old age gap you know you can definitely see 
some butting of heads. So I don't think the handling of Robin Leonard, as far as Pete DeBoer is concerned, was that bad. Um, I think the flurry situation is probably a little more notable, and I could understand a little more why, um, you know, Alan Walsh uh, tweeted out the bloody sword in the back of uh, Robin Leonard with DeBoer's name on the handle. That I get. But as far as the relationship with Leonard, I don't see anything that bad uh, with respect to Pete DeBoer's handling. Yeah, we, we've certainly seen, you know, more explosive situations between coach and player across sports, even in the NHL. So, you know, definitely not the the worst relationship that we've ever seen. But I know it was a lot of people's concern with, you know, even a week ago when Elliot Friedman was tweeting the the rumors that DeBoer was going to be the next head coach in Dallas. People were, you know, and of course, there's always going to be overreactions to any news like that. But, you know, there's people saying that Jake Ottinger's not going to resign, that he's going to want to go somewhere else. And, you know, he's I, not I John that, Tortorella. Relax, folks. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> Yeah, and that, I you know I fall in the the spectrum of that's not true that you know Ottinger obviously has done well here in Dallas. The fans love him. At the front office, I'm sure loves him and is is working to get a deal signed sometime this summer. Uh, and you know I, I think that you know mistakes may have been made with Robin Leonard and hopefully, like you said, DeBoer is a a professional who's been in this league for a long time. And you know you don't keep getting hired if you're you know doing stuff wrong. So he's obviously you know done some things right. And like you said, made the you know, the conference finals a handful of times with the Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, lost to Dallas and Montreal back-to-back teams that ended up in the Stanley Cup finals. And even before then, uh, you know, with some stints in New Jersey and San Jose, made a cup finals appearance, one of those with Joe Pavelski. So we'll get that, you know, reuniting this season. Maybe there's a little bit magic left with Pavelski, uh, you know, getting as old as he is near uh, or old for a hockey player. I know he's in his late 30s and uh, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, always going to be overreactions to that kind of stuff. So was just curious on your two cents there, because I know a lot of fans are concerned for Ottinger, even though he hasn't really shown any signs of injury yet, thankfully being as young as he is. So certainly glad to get a little bit of clarification there. And hopefully that <laughs> eases the stars fans minds a little bit and probably mine as well, uh, that he and the other young players on this team are probably not in as much quote unquote danger uh, as we originally thought. But, you know, we talk about the you know, the whole goalie situation, but you know, to kind of continue, I guess, with the, the negative side of DeBoer, and we'll, of course, talk about the positives a little later. What are some other hesitancies that you would say, you know, oh, be sure to watch out for this, or this could happen with DeBoer as head coach of the Stars? What are some warnings that you would give out to Stars fans that we could be seeing with him uh, behind the bench? I don't know about warnings necessarily. I mean, he's a very accomplished NHL coach. Uh, 2008 breaks in with Florida and then he goes to New Jersey right away in 11-12, gets to the cup final. Um, goes to San Jose in 15-16, his first season, goes to the cup final. Comes to Vegas replacing a coach, mind you, and we make it to the conference final. And then, you know, he's going to be just fine. He's a professional. He's been doing this very well for a very long time, which explains why Dallas is giving him a pay raise over uh, what VGK was giving him. Uh, the concerns, I mean, we can certainly talk about a few things. Um, going back to when we first hired Pete DeBoer, the series against Vancouver in the bubble, that was the first time I my, my radar went up, you know, that there was going to be some concern about possible lack of scoring. We were just shooting and shooting and shooting. We had a 3-1 series lead against Vancouver. It winds up going seven games. Vegas doesn't even get the go-ahead goal until the third period. I think we won that game either one or two 
to nothing. At that point, the, you kind of saw the scoring was, was going dry. And then that happened in the following playoffs, obviously, when we went against the Dallas Stars. Um, and then after that, um, going back to this previous season and the playoffs when uh, Montreal eliminated us, just a lack of creativity with a lot of skill on the ice. You watch uh, what Tampa and Colorado are doing on their entries, whether it's a breakout, whether it's a power play situation, their entries are just so clean and crisp and they create scoring chances just out of thin air. VGK seems to be confident getting 40 shots a game, but 34 of those shots are low percentage shots from the point with little traffic in front of the nets. VGK is not a crash the net type of team. There's a lot of skill amongst our top six, you know, cycles, working the puck behind the net and things like that. You just didn't see as much of that. And going back to the exit interviews I mentioned a little while ago, the players were very quick to mention this team lacks an identity. The, the coach determines the identity, in my opinion. The coach is going to create, you know, their strategies, their playbook, and from that is where the identity will be born. So lack of identity and lack of creativity. Again, like I said, our top six was stellar and our line three was even uh, pretty solid having a William Carlson and Evgeny Dodonov down there. Both uh, could be potent goal scorers depending on uh, the situations. And they just couldn't find a way to score in big situations in big games. That's on DeBoer, in my opinion. That's on the coach. And I think as a Dallas fan, that would be the immediate concern I would have. Um, if you go, you know, in the first 10, 12, 15 games, and it just seems like there's not as much flow in the offensive zone, that's when there maybe should be some concern. Yeah, and that's something that I think Stars fans and the team, you know, that's the similarity that the Stars in Vegas Golden Knights had is there were just moments where the offense would go dry and, you know, the the you, you kind of put some of that on Rick Bonus as the head coach. I mean, the talent is there with, you know, Rope Hintz, Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson, Tyler Sagan, the list goes on and on. I mean, there is certainly offensive talent to be had on this Stars roster. So that's definitely, you know, something that we'll, we'll have to keep in mind and keep an eye on as training camp kind of gets rolling later this summer and as we go into the fall. I, I think that'll be an interesting storyline to follow to see kind of how DeBoer meshes with this new roster of Stars players. Um, you know, I, th I think there's a lot of similarities between the Stars and Golden Knights last season. And that's probably a good reason why they were both in competition for a wildcard spot so mm -hmm. late in the season. But we're going to continue to talk about Pete DeBoer, talk about some of the things to look forward to with him as the head coach after we take another quick break and say thank you to another sponsor, BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net also remains the best spot for all your sports podcasts and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports, including MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right, Chris, to kind of get us uh, closed out on today's crossover episode between Locked On Stars and Locked On Vegas Golden Knights, we just talked about some of the potential red flags or hesitancies with Pete DeBoer as head coach. But with every head coach hiring, you have 
things to be maybe on the lookout for in a negative way, but there's also always going to be things to look forward to. So in your eyes and in your opinion, from what you saw during DeBoer's time as head coach in Vegas, what are some things that Stars fans can look forward to uh, with him at the helm starting this season? He's very likable, I think, is the first thing you're going to notice. He's extremely down to earth. Um, I met him weeks after he was hired. Uh, every year they do an event called Night to Remember here in Las Vegas. A uh, big charity type fundraiser gala where the players and coaches are just kind of basically roaming around in a very loose environment. Not a lot of people. So it's, a you know, very uh, intimate, if you will. And I remember just spent a few minutes with Dober and I, I asked him, you know, what are his impressions of Vegas and how is it different now that he's on our side versus coming in as, as a visitor. And he joked it was nice uh, not, you know, finally coming here and not getting his blank, blank, blank kicked. That was the first thing that he alluded to. And then we talked about um, Summerlin, where the team practices in some of the communities. And it was very genuine, though. He wasn't coming across as, you know, just kind of going through the motions of BSing and work in the room, so to speak. That's certainly not uh, the notion that I get from him. Also, I do remember watching his initial press conference when he was hired on replacing Gerard Gallant. And just to kind of set the scene there, I mean, he's public enemy number one. Thinking about uh, the movie Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, when he's not at one of the broadcasts, I think he's wherever he is. And uh, Christina Christina Applegate's character, I believe is her name, she's going to basically be the lead. And then uh, Steve Carell looks over, you're not Ron Burgundy. Like, that's kind (laughs) of what we had going on when when DeBoer came here. But in his first... um, presser in his first scrum, if you will. What I liked about him is every person, you know, they have to they have to say who they are and what outlet they're from. He would say hello, insert their name, and then answer the question. And I thought maybe that was just something he was doing just to break the ice when he came here. But no, he did that all the way. Every post-game presser or initial presser I listened to, he would always use the person's name prior to answering the question or say hello to them, even exchange a pleasantry before they did that. So uh, I like that. It's, it's a little thing that I notice. Um, he's very even keel, just to kind of move on a little bit. He's extremely even keel. You're not going to see him very angry. Um, I was talking to Tony in, in, our, in our podcast a couple days ago about this. I think I only saw him actually storm out or really show a lot of emotion in one in um one uh one presser he got asked a question basically said don't ask me that question again as we understand on the media side we like to kind of poke and prod and try and get something well someone shot their shot and basically DeBoer walked off you know muttering under his breath um but just one time like that's I like that in a coach I like someone that's just kind of very relaxed behind the bench and doesn't put a lot of pressure on. I think he's more of a veteran type of coach. He's going to take care of the vets that have been around a while. It doesn't mean he's not going to put pressure on them. And it doesn't mean the younger players have to be concerned. Um, we've seen a few young players just kind of develop under DeBoer, not maybe as well as I feel they should have, but there are players like uh, Zach Whitecloud, our defenseman, is one of the first that comes to mind. Um, only scores 20 points last season. I think it was eight or eight, maybe 25, 26 points. But he was a plus 21 in a year where the team, I think we were only minus that St. Louis game where he blew him out at the end. I think uh, the team goal differential was like plus 8, 9, or 10. But he was a plus 21 as a defenseman, as a young defenseman, logging line uh, defensive 2 and defensive 3 pairings. So he's out there after, out basically against the other team's 1s and 2s, especially on the road. So I thought that was remarkable. You have to give DeBoer credit for that. 
Um, another side of DeBoer, um, obviously he was just, he's been, you know, talking about joining Dallas for quite some time now, but he's still been here in Vegas for most of that time. He was actually uh, coaching just uh, as, as much as uh, Sunday over the weekend uh, at, here at City National where the Golden Knights practice. Um, uh, the Golden Chariots, I believe they're called. And um, sled, sled hockey, basically. Sled hockey. So he's still out there. He, he's got no obligation to do anything for Vegas anymore. We fired him. We want him gone. No, he's still in the same place that fired him, so to speak. Still out there helping grow the game, helping to expand the game. And, I mean, it's pretty uh, awesome that an, an NHL coach who was fired in the community is still in the community doing good things for the community. So I'll never question his character one bit. I'll never question his desire to do well. Um, I think he's going to be a very good hire. And someone like Pete DeBoer is never going to be unemployed in this league for too long. I think he's going to help teams continue to win, whether he can get them to that next step to a Stanley Cup or kind of the comparison of Bruce Cassidy. You watch how players who went through, who went with uh, Cassidy in the AHL to the NHL, like uh, Pasternak, uh, Marchand, et cetera, and how they grew. You know, can Dober have that kind of influence over a young player? I mean, obviously, we're going to see, you know, Jason Robertson, who's just an absolute superstar in the making. What can DeBoer do for him? Uh, I hope it's take him to an even higher level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the, the hope. And, you know, I, I even on yesterday's episode, you know, showed a lot of I, I mixed emotions. I mean, of the excited to get a, a veteran guy who, like you said, has been around this league not going to be unemployed for too long while he's still looking to coach. And, you know, there, there's certainly some hesitancies that I think are, you know, fair and justified for stars fans to have. Of course you do have the, the overreaction side where people are already decided that he's a terrible coach. The, the season's in the tank, but we have, he hasn't even coached a practice yet. So I, I feel like that's, you know, certainly unfair to him, but you know, I, I think even just this interview is starting to shift my mind a little bit to be a little bit more optimistic. Uh, I think that, you know, and I talked about a little bit yesterday, too, that sports are so unique because guys are always looking for, you know, that redemption story or to to finally kind of get over the hump. And for DeBoer, that's to to finally win a Stanley Cup. He's proven that he can get there. He, you know, he has a track record of doing very well in the first season with his new teams, New Jersey, San Jose and Vegas. We saw all of that, uh, you know, in succession as he got hired by those teams. So I, I think that there is certainly some reason for excitement and you know, it'd be a, a really cool and fun story to follow if DeBoer is able to capture that elusive Stanley Cup uh, while in Dallas with the likes of guys like Robertson, Miro Hiskin, and Jake Ottinger. I think that could be a really cool story. So I, I'm excited to see what this season holds. And uh, I think that DeBoer is getting introduced either, you know, today on Wednesday when this comes out or sometime later in the week. So certainly excited to hear his his thoughts and his kind of opening press conference to the city. Dallas certainly a, a much different city than Las Vegas, but I think he'll he'll find a way to fit in and you know be able to contribute to the community here, like he made it sound like he's doing in Vegas. So, Chris, I, I truly do appreciate you hopping on and giving some insight to Pete DeBoer, uh, what it could look like for him to be the next head coach in Dallas. So, thank you again for hopping on. Yeah, no problem. It's definitely exciting. And I guess just one quick question: outside of DeBoer, is there someone you would have rather seen? Yeah, yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, and there's a conversation I had, I believe it was about a week or two ago, uh, with another uh, media member in Dallas who covers the Stars, uh, Mark Savard, who coaches the Windsor Spitfires in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, I believe that their season just ended in the OHL final. Um, he actually was coaching the Stars' top prospect, 
Wyatt Johnston, um, who just had a fantastic season, won all sorts of awards up there in Canada. Um, and so there's that connection there, obviously, with the Stars' top, top prospect who could be making his NHL debut this season. And then he also was on that 2011 Boston team with Tyler Sagan. So there's a little bit of a connection there. I I, mm-hmm. I think that was who I was secretly wanting. It was kind of a long shot. Uh, I think it would have been a really you know fun story to cover this offseason. Who knows if it would have worked because you know Savard doesn't have that NHL coaching experience. Yeah, it, it was really him. I think Cassidy would have been you know a great candidate as well. I think Vegas is you know uh, better off with, with him uh, with the vacancy. I think it could have gone several ways for them. Um, was glad that you know Philadelphia took Tortorella off the market. Wasn't really looking for him and. I, I guess the last big name that hasn't been picked up, as far as I know, is Barry Trotz. He's very similar to Rick Bonus, so I, I don't think I would have been, you know, upset if he came to Dallas, but wasn't necessarily, you know, just hoping and praying that he would come. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Trotz. I would have been fine with Trotz. Um, in the beginning, I think he was the one we were all kind of circled, like, okay, what's it going to take? But um, you know, there's just something strange there. I mean, wins the Stanley Cup in Washington, and okay, see you later. Does very well yeah. with the Islanders. Okay, see you later. You know, so I'm. I don't know. Maybe those again. The exit interviews. The exit interviews have so much uh, strength and determination as to how a general manager is going to proceed. And it's um, yeah, we, we've seen what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I that even you know plays such a factor with this DeVore hire. Jim Nill, the the Stars GM, is going into his final season of his contract. So. You know, he, he's looking out for his job, bringing in a, a veteran coach who's had success in the past. So, you know, at the end of the day, Fair. you know, it's the cliche that sports are a business. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, I want to believe and give Jim Noe the benefit of the doubt that he wants this team to succeed. And he wants the, the Stanley Cup to come back to Texas for the first time since 1999. And maybe DeBoer actually is the guy. But, the, you know, there's also that small part of me that knows that this was a, a business decision by, by Neil to likely secure his job for However, however long his next contract will be, I'm no certainly no expert on the the length of GM uh, contracts. No doubt, it's a, it's a real good point. Yeah, well, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's crossover episode. Remember that Locked On Stars and Locked On VGK can be found on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform. Always free and available, no matter where or how you listen. Chris, thank you so much again for mm-hmm. hopping on and talking Pete DeBoer with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Any any time, we'll. Uh... We'll have to do a, a check around the quarter pole and see how things are going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get Tony on here as well. I'd, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely.